What's up, family? I'm Joe B, and welcome to episode number one of Crusher Cast. This episode, friend of mine, Big Dave Kanoy. Most most people know Big Dave as the owner of the Ink Spot chain of tattoo shops. Uh, a great tattoo artist, a great artist. You know, get away from the tattoo gun. He, he's still an amazing artist. Uh, check him out on Instagram. You'll see some of his amazing paintings he's done and stuff like that. <clears throat> but he also owns a construction company. Uh, they've got a, a, a reality TV show that's in development, uh, or it's already been shot, and they're looking for uh, some outlets for that. And I believe it's going to be coming out on YouTube TV uh, sometime this year, maybe, I hope. Uh, it's really cool. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, the guy's tattooed on rock stars and celebrities and half of Lincoln County, if not half of the e eastern side of Missouri and maybe even Illinois. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, one, of the, one of the founders of uh, a local music institution <laughs> called the Inkspot Block Party. It just gets bigger and bigger every year. It draws <clears throat> tens of thousands of people over the course of a day and uh, it's, it's just really cool it all showcases local music and stuff like that all these things but what people don't generally get to see is a side of Dave that I've got to see privileged enough to get to see on different occasions uh, the Dave that goes into the nursing homes and sits with people who don't have anybody um, regardless of race, creed, anything like that he goes just out of, out of love, you know, and he was drawn to do that. Uh, the Dave that goes and helps <clears throat> uh, troubled youth uh, and mentors them. The Dave that has co-founded a self-help program. I, he, he would hate for me to use the self-help program tag, I'm sure. But it's, for lack of a better term, um, you know, to change people's lives. Personal development, I believe, is the, the phrase he uses. Um, you know, and they, these are just the things I've seen that, there's there's so much you you can't throw a rock in this area without hitting somebody that this guy has impacted or his generosity or his kindness or his love has impacted um so i really hope you enjoy that this dave has impacted my life in so many different ways and uh you know and some of it through conversations and a lot of it is just by watching dave be dave um so Sit back, uh, enjoy the story. We start off talking Super Bowl. We felt we shot this on Super Bowl Sunday. That's where we start, and uh, you know we just kind of walk through Dave's life and right up to where Dave is today, and uh, and who he is, and the things he's up to today. And uh, this is one of the people, and there's a reason I chose him for number one. One of the people who in this this era of my life, this period of my life, he's one of the most inspiring people that I know. So. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Episode number one, Crusher Cast. Ordinary people, extraordinary lives. Big Dave Kanoy. Peace, guys. Love you. What's up, everybody? This is Joe B. With first episode of Crusher Cast. Got with me Big Dave Kanoy over here. What's up? And uh, so, how are you doing today? It's Super Bowl Sunday. You got plans for today? We do. We're going over to a friend's house. Um, not the, I'm one of them sports. I'm one. Of, I gave up watching football um, years ago 
just because it's always on Sundays and Mondays and that's my two days off uh-huh. or that's the two days I have to accomplish stuff so I had to decide I'm like a football crackhead that if I watch one game I just gotta I gotta stay You're current one, yeah and um, so now I'm like I don't watch through the season every once in a while I'll catch a game you know and then uh, through the playoffs I watch all the playoff games and, uh, when I watch something though I want to watch it I don't want uh, party atmosphere I don't want you yeah, <clears throat> I don't need none of that. So we're going over to a friend's house, and there's just me and Jesse. Just and, a small crew. Yep. Yeah. So who's your team in general? If you got to pick one, um, Raiders, right? <laughs> Raiders, right? <laughs> I've been a Saints fan since I was okay. a kid, and um, I had them picked. Yeah. For this year. Yeah. I, I didn't follow through the year. Robbie keeps me updated um, on what's going on in the Saints. He and, smoked my ass in fantasy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I was hoping the Saints would go. I'm. I couldn't even say that I'm a Saints fan anymore. I, no. I couldn't say that I'm real. Today I'm rooting for the Chiefs just because. Uh, so Podcast is over <laughs> now. <laughs> Man, they're a Missouri team, and so many of my friends are Chiefs fans, and I just yeah. like to see them win. I watched those two playoff games. That first playoff game with the Chiefs was unbelievable. It was one of the best football games I think I've ever watched. Where, in my life. where they were losing by twenty four. Twenty four to nothing. I was running my mouth so bad, dude. I was I was like, Yeah, where are you Chiefs fans at now? And then they're like, oh, they tore my ass. Apart. Right. And then, and then at halftime they're up twenty seven to twenty four. It was like I'm telling my wife, she doesn't even watch football and I'm like, You gotta come in here and watch this. This is the craziest stuff I've ever seen. So Yeah. So uh What what the hell are you all into? Uh-huh. I mean, so here's what I know of, of, of you. Tattoo artist. Uh, I call you a, a community activist. <laughs> That's awesome. um, I'll take it. You'll take it. Uh, entrepreneur. You own businesses. Yeah. Um, I believe you're able to, well, I know you're able to marry people. So you're either a minister or you're a justice of the peace. Right. Um, I, I mean, I could keep going. Uh, what I know of you, what I, when I, I saw you before I met you yeah. and just seeing you, it made an impression on me. I, I was on, I was after, actually on an elliptical at full contact gym. Right. And I see a guy walk in, <laughs> cup overalls on. Right. And you had a smile, and you were just looking around. You had this look like, wow, I wonder who all's here today. Right. And you got up on the treadmill, and you were just walking pleasantly and looking around, and I was like, I wonder who the hell that guy is. And it was, it was weird. I, I know you and I share a lot, of, uh, a lot of the same opinion on, like, synergy and stuff. Like, right. things right. line up. Everything happens for a reason. Right. And uh, it was around then. It, it was like when you buy a new car. You buy a Taurus, and everywhere you see Tauruses. All of a sudden, I started seeing you everywhere. Right. I'd right. see you coming out of Walmart. Right. And then uh, you and I are, are both in an organization, and I started seeing you within that organization pop up. And I've been going there forever, and you had too, and just all of a sudden, right. you're there. Um, and then you, I went to my first block party. And I started seeing everybody coming up to you and hugging you. Everybody just wanted a piece of your time. You walked across the grounds, and people just were dying to get up there and hug you and talk to you and just take a picture with you. And I'm like, who is this dude? What, what is going on here? You know? And uh, 
So I creeped on you. You know, I talked to you, but you know, I, I'm like, what is what is wrong? But I would, for whatever reason, I felt drawn to you. You know, and uh, through circumstances, we spoke a few times and started building a, a casual friendship, I guess you'd say. And uh, I got the opportunity to see you do some things that nobody sees people do, and and watched you do some things for other human beings that made me. Uh, question how much I was putting back into this world and inspired me awesome. to it, it made me say am I really doing enough right. you know and uh, let's be real I mean your exterior does not look like that guy yeah I know you hear that I, I know I do I actually it, it uh, I said that I, I have a business partner we do a personal development mm -hmm. company um, the company's called Elevate, and my business partner, her name's Jennifer King Brogan, and she just finished her book. Uh, it will go on sale this next month, I think. Amazon, I think it, never Amazon. Um, it's called Getting Naked With Your Clothes On, and it's about being vulnerable and vulnerability. And um, we were talking, and I said that I was going to write a book also. Or she's like, you got to write a book, Dave. you got to write a book. Just the journey of writing a book is incredible. So more so the journey of writing that book is what I'm looking forward to or not looking forward to. I'm in resistance to it, so I've got to do it. Uh, and if I, I started thinking if I wrote a book, it would be called Accidentally Authentic. Uh, I... I, I uh, I often wonder what that is, you know, because I experienced that draw, mm -hmm. and you mean other people being drawn to you? Yeah, yeah. Does it freak you out sometimes? Or so, did it in the past? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a long time, it was um, it was if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Know. It was yeah. like it was like at my core, I believed I was this bad guy that was doing all these good things. And no matter how much good things I did, I still didn't feel like I was a good guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no matter how much I did, somebody called me compassionate one time. And I guess my face said that I didn't agree, that I disagreed with what he said. And right. he said, you don't believe you're compassionate? And I'm like, no. He's like, why don't you believe you're compassionate? And, and I go, I, I just, I'm not. And he's like. I just heard a couple stories about you. I don't even know you. I heard a couple stories about you. And in both them stories, I experienced extreme compassion. And I go, yeah, well, you're basing it off of those two stories. And he's like, so you're saying that you have evidence to say that you're not compassionate? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I got evidence that says that you are. So how come yeah, right. you choose to believe yours? And I'm like, I've got more evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing me a, long, a lot longer. And he said, he asked me how many how long have I been doing compassionate things actively like doing compassionate things and I told him you know 12 years or 13 years whatever it was and um, since I've been in recovery that's been a, a thing of mine and um, he says well how much evidence do we have to gather of you doing compassionate things before you'll allow yourself to believe that you're compassionate mm -hmm. and it was like mind blown because right. there wasn't enough evidence I could do it for the rest of my life so then I got to look at like why do I not get to feel these things so mm -hmm. for a long time it really bothered me because I didn't believe it about myself I also think that this look accidentally you know 
we I've learned through personal development, like we create this, we create our, I say that men wear costumes and women wear masks. And, uh, you know, I put on a costume, you know, to, to keep people out. Mm-hmm. And I call it the prodigal son theory is what I just called it myself. Like people judge me based on my look. Mm-hmm. Which is natural. It is. I mean, I created this look so that you would judge me and stay away from me, and then it backfired. So then I go on and start doing actually nice things for people, and because they judge me, then then they get to... I don't think they even consciously do it. Then they just go, I thought this guy was this bad guy, and he's really not, so then they overly love me. Or Well, I, th- I think part of that is really in, in us innately from even back to caveman days, you know, we have to judge what we're looking at. Okay, I need to judge immediately whether fight or flight, you know, is is this, you know, and we see, you know, (laughs) media, we see, we see tattoo biker guy, you know, this is trouble, you know. And and I think, I think we're actually evolving. I think, and there's a whole lot of judgment. I work on it. I judge constantly. There's a whole lot. Transitioning from judgment to discernment has been... I think I think we're doing it as a society, you know. Slowly, mm-hmm. I see that, and the people that I surround myself with. So there's a whole lot less blatant judgment mm-hmm. and more of, you know, that fight or flight yeah. discernment. Do I need to be worried about Bring this guy? Lizard brain, <laughs> right? So, um, so, so all that being said, let's go back. What what was it like growing up, little Dave? Oh. Um, so little Dave, <laughs> I grew up in Jennings, um, which is uh, St. Louis County. Late 70s, early 80s. Um, late 70s, early 80s, yep. And then I grew up in a Mormon family. My, my family is Mormon and in Jennings, which is a predominantly black neighborhood. And I just never felt like I fit in. You know, like, I remember, I think that's where the costumes started to come into play is, is I just never felt like I fit in. Like, even if with my white friends, I didn't fit in because they weren't Mormon, you know, and I got all these other stipulations. And then uh, I didn't relate to their families drinking and smoking and hanging out. And then black friends, I didn't really relate to because I was a little pale white kid with white hair. Yeah, cultural differences. Right. And, um. So I just never felt like I fit in. Then we moved out to Lincoln County. Uh, what year was that? Remember? No, I don't. My ch- uh, no, I was about 13. So uh, I was born in 76, so that would be 89. Um, moved out to Lincoln County, and I didn't fit in out here either. You know, like here I'm the city kid, and, and they didn't take too well to me. So... Uh, my family, I'm one of seven kids and my dad, how was that? You know, it's crazy looking back. Like I, we got a close family. Uh, and and, you know, where were you in the seven? I'm right in the middle. middle. So I'm in the middle. So I, and, uh, you know, we had a real close family. I I didn't know any different, you know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have any real judgments on it. Mm -hmm. We were, we were extremely poor. And I seen a me. I seen a thing on Facebook today. It's like you may have been poor, however you you don't understand. Like 
<clears throat> not having electricity and boiling water on the stove. And I'm like, I do, you know, I do. Um, and what a great blessing, you know, to have that. Like for me, I look back, like we were close. Like we didn't have, there was times we didn't have Christmas. So we just didn't, my parents couldn't, couldn't afford it. And uh, I knew they wanted to, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like uh, my parents, when they moved, they had sold their house and they'd made profit on their house and they didn't pay capital gains tax on it. So then when we moved to Moscow, they got fined by the IRS. They owed a bunch of money to the IRS. And so my dad had to take on another job. So he was working three jobs and us kids would go and help. And you know, all his life, he looked at it like- Did mom work? Mom did um, off and on. She'd work part-time at different places, you know, seven kids. Seven kids, right. right. You got, that's a, a right. job. So she's very effectively run our household like a business. So growing up, like, I mean, at 12 years old, my sister is a year older than me. She's 13. She started babysitting for other people and church members and different things. And, and uh, then at 12 years old, when she couldn't, those families would hire me. <laughs> and so 12 years old, I was watching other people's kids and stuff. So we just got raised up. Uh, pretty self-sufficient just yeah. that many kids and so it was good it was a good it was a good childhood I don't have um, I mean other than being extremely poor and the, and the belief system about myself and where I fit into the world you know my parents are still together and they're incredible people and and uh, my family were still tight you know we're still close so it was just rough you know mm-hmm. rough being poor mm-hmm. I think every kid goes through that or not every kid however Every kid feels like they go through that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The feelings are all the same. No yeah. matter what our experiences are, it doesn't matter. You know, there's some kid that's the child of a billionaire that has the same feelings I had that I didn't fit in and I didn't, you know, I wanted things to belong. You know, I wanted this. If I got this, then people would like me or people would, look. regular childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, just a few minutes ago, you mentioned recovery. When did, um, <clears throat> That alludes to, I mean, yeah. I know the, I know yeah, the right. story, but that alludes that uh, alcohol or drugs came in somewhere. Was that, or how old were you when, was that Lincoln County experience? Predominantly. My first drinking experience was when I was eight, and I lived in Jennings, and I went down to uh, my friend's house. I could walk the alley down to my friend's house, and his parents had a liquor store, or they had a jewelry store, and they had a alcohol in the house and cigarettes in the house so we would steal cigarettes and puff on them and we took one of the push-up pops one of them uh clear plastic sleeves that yeah. you cut open we took one of them and we poured some wild turkey i'm assuming it's wild turkey it had a bird on it you know and uh we poured some of that in there i don't even know how much we poured i don't remember and we walked up the alley and i remember saying that i was drunk and I remember fake walking like I was drunk and I like I experienced my aunts and uncles from my father's side they would party and hang out and yeah. it's like my mom's side's Mormon my dad's side's bikers and partiers and right, having fun right. so growing up Match made in heaven. <laughs> growing up as a kid we'd go to family get-togethers at my mom's family and they'd eat and hang out and that's it and we go over to family get-togethers on my dad's side and there'd be motorcycles and in the yard there'd be people drinking swimming pools loud music having fun yeah. i like knew where i wanted to fit in when i grew up yeah. hence the image <laughs> so uh 
Yeah, I started when I was when I was um, when we moved to Troy is when I started drinking more. I don't even I don't even know the first time. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't have active memories. I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I just knew that it was it was something I started doing, and and when I did, I felt more relaxed i felt like i fit in i had friends i had a network like all those insecurities left me and it became a solution and i started doing it and then i really just drank a whole lot i smoked weed every once in a while and when i was 20 um i was married and my wife at the time had we had gotten pregnant and there were some complications so she got put on bed rest so i had to take on or i chose to take on a full-time job another full-time job so i was working two full-time jobs and there was just one night that i was so tired and exhausted and defeated and um i wasn't going to get out of work for another several hours i was doing inventory at one place and i had completely messed up the inventory so i had to redo it all and i was just defeated and this girl that work there was like here do some of this it'll keep you awake and she had math and so I was adamantly opposed to it I just didn't have any other options I I didn't even think I was gonna be able to make it and uh, so I did a little and I felt incredible like wide awake more energy happy lively and the next day I worked all day I was friendlier with customers it was just I'm like, this is the answer to prayers. This is the answer to, so I'll just buy a little bit. I'll do a little bit every day and I'll be able to work two jobs and maintain. And that didn't last long, you know. So meth was really, um, I went down that wicked road real fast. I started manufacturing within a few months of actually using. And then I'm transporting dope cross country. And so in in that, a lot of us, uh, that are in recovery, we have a moment. Uh, some of us call it the dark moment. So you know, it's the moment. Right. You know, do you have a moment like that that you care to share? If not, that's cool. The moment of clarity, or the moment of like. Well, it, the moment of clarity is usually followed by put, or right. The clarity usually comes right after that darkest, that moment. You know. I think I had. I think I. I've or had a period f- of time that was. Yeah, I, I had. A, a few like there's um i remember i've since divorced from my wife and i got um jesse now so hi jesse yeah what's up so i remember sitting on the edge of the bed and i've heard this story by other people so i remember sitting on the edge of the bed crying to my wife like i've gotten caught you know i've been gone for a couple days i come back i really wanted my family and yet i've kept doing all this other stuff. And I remember sitting on the bed, crying to her, swearing that I would never do it again. And I meant it and I was done. And that moment I was done. I never want to do it again. You're important to me. I said all the things I meant it. She felt it. We decided to work stuff out and I would be good for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden I'd be in the moment. There was a moment I was in a crack house about to get shot in a bad dope deal. I'd been to prison, got out, Within two weeks of getting out, I'm in a crack house about to get shot in a bad dope deal going, how does this keep happening to me? How does this, like, I don't want it, and yet I keep doing that. And I didn't have a solution. I just, there's there's moments where it's just like, 
I'm a complete nut job. I am a complete, like, because I don't want this, and yet for, I've been gone for two days, and now this is the first awareness that mm -hmm. now I've got to make this back. Now I've got to come up with some story to tell her, mm -hmm. to get her back and convince her that I'm never going to do it again. Right. Again. Another story. Right. And um, it was, it was that moment of being in the crack house about to get shot having to explain again she i got back with her we did this dance then i went to prison when i got out of prison it was like no more i'm never doing this again and within two weeks it's all over again you know and it was like that was my that was one of my darkest times or one of my just powerless just absolutely clueless and powerless over what's taken place and why I'm not able to why I'm not able to stop when I want to stop so yeah. in in all those moments growing up <clears throat> you, you you said how you know childhood was pretty good yeah and then even through this was there that person either in your life or at a distance that was inspiration to you that gave you thought that especially in the darker times where there is a, there's another way or I could be doing something different. Man, I'm, my life, I'm so fortunate. My life is filled with my father. Like, my father is, like, growing up, we were poor, and I remember him working two and three jobs all my life, you know? And as kids, me and my brothers would go to work with him and help him, like he did um, janitorial services for two different car dealerships on the weekends and he would pack us up and we would go and help him. And um, he didn't want to do it, you know, and they worked part-time at a gas station on top of his full-time job. He didn't want to do it and yet he did it. And somehow in his head was like, this is just what I got to do. And he was able to do that. So I had that. Does all that manifest for you today um, in your world? Today it does, then it didn't. Yeah. I would always look and go, my dad's done all this stuff, knows what he's got to do and just does it. Mm -hmm. And here I know what I got to do. I tell myself I'm going to do it, and then I have no, no follow through. I couldn't figure it out. So when I when I moved to Troy, there was a couple um, people. Mr. Woods, he was my art teacher, and uh, art has been a huge passion of mine. And and he was just the epitome of mentor. Like he. He only said what was effective to you. You know, he was he was like a teacher. However, he was your friend, and he would only say things that I don't know. He was just he let you know, like he let us know that he cared. And I don't remember words that he said, or you know, I just felt that from yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I knew that I could go to him, and he was the first one. Like all growing up, when you're poor, money is the solution. You know, if I had money. It would make things better. If my parents had money, it would make things better. And he was the first one that, you know, I knew what a teacher made. And he did it and loved it and lived a great life. And it's like, I wouldn't trade this for anything. Like, it's not about the money. I get all summer off. I get to help and work with you kids. And you guys inspire me. I get to do art. And that was the first one. That was one of the first shifts I ever had in that thought process is that money isn't the solution. I had an Uncle Tom that was always in I had an Uncle Tom. <laughs> that was his name, Uncle Tom. I still call him Uncle Tom today. And um, he was always into motivational speakers. He was always in a, he was an entrepreneur. He started different things. And 
So he was always in my corner, you know, telling me I could accomplish anything I wanted and I could do anything. And then I had uh, some family or some, I, I call them my surrogate mom and dad. There's some lawyers in, in uh, Lake St. Louis, the Adams Law Office and Jack and Adriana Adams. They kind of took me under their wing when my parents kicked me out. She's the one, Adriana's the one that got me into college. And she's like, no, you're going to college. And I'm <laughs> like, uh, I didn't enroll and it's three days past enrollment. She's like, get in the car, we're going up there. And she went up, scheduled a meeting with the dean, called me in, was like, he'll qualify for Pell Grant. If he doesn't, I'll pay for it. He just needs to start college. And like that, I was in college. Yeah. And um, so- That's huge? Yeah, it was huge. They like, they seen me, they seen me they see me greater than I see myself, you know? Yeah. And and all those, like my dad, Mr. Woods, you know, the Adamses. When I look back at like role models or people that were big in my life, those those are the ones. It's the ones that see me bigger than I see myself that I, di I didn't realize until today that that's what they, you know, they, they saw through all the action, saw through all the struggles, yeah. saw through all the armor, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you could go back, um, here's the cliche question, cliche alert. If you could go back, if big Dave could go back and give little Dave a nugget, what would he uh, give? Or would he give him anything? And just, or would he just let well, him It's such a double edged sword. Cause, it is. cause it is. you know, I say this all, one of my favorite in our personal development, I talk to people and like, there's this, we all know, like when we watch back to the future, you've ever watched, you mm -hmm. familiar yep. with that movie, yep. he carries that picture with him and then he goes back in time and every little decision he makes changes that future and it starts disappearing, his, his family starts disappearing from the photo. Yeah. And in that movie, it's real clear to see that every decision we make or every decision he made affected his future well, one way or another. Yeah. yeah, and yet we somehow we walk through life thinking that our decisions aren't really big decisions and they are every little decision I make today affects my future. So I really am in a tremendous spot today, like with who I am and what I'm doing and how I feel about me and how you got here and how I got here. And my, my past has become one of my biggest messages, you know, there's a, your mess becomes your biggest message, you know? So I don't know that I would change that. I don't know that I would change anything. I really don't, I really wouldn't go back and change anything. You know, if I could just speak to my younger self, not to change anything, you know, it'd be- uh, Would it be more comforting? It, it would be, it would just like, the journey, the journey to acceptance of yourself is what, like, just, I am not some of my actions, you know, or, and I hear that, shit all the time i hear it They're like yeah. we're the sum of all our actions we're well, no we're not you know what i'm saying like my worthiness is inherent i was born with it you know and i stopped myself from believing it yeah. you know and if i could you know if i could convey that to you know i'm doing my best oh yeah five kids i'm doing my best to convey that to my kids so if i could have conveyed that to myself and got me to understand that. I don't think that there's any understanding that. I think that we're all on a journey and we have, you know. Well, that, that's a cool point is, so <clears throat> the message that you're conveying to the five kids, is that generally the message that that, that you might've conveyed to, to right. Dave? 
oh man, parenting is the hardest job in the world. Because, I mean, there's a million parenting books out there and every one of my kids is different and I have to parent them different. And I could say this to one of my kids and he gets it and understands it and this kid doesn't. And it's just this constant like, and it's the biggest growth experience I've ever had in my life, you know, parenting. Definitely takes the rough edges off. Oh my gosh, <laughs> like the challenges, I'm so, we've got, we've got two that are out of the house. One that's 18, he's graduating school, he's gonna be in the military and. Proud of all of them. Oh, tremendously, man. And, you know, not all of them have had made the best decisions for their life, you know? Right. And. That's the thing, I watch them beat themselves up more than I beat them up, you know, like, uh, that's why I think it doesn't matter what I say, you know, you have to go through that experience and it's just supporting them and loving them through that experience, you know, if I could, yeah, that's, that's the journey is supporting them and loving them through their experience and, and hopefully, I, I truly believe that we watch it in like athletes and they talk about the five minute mile, you know, how the barrier. Yeah, it was never accomplished and they, nobody could run five minutes. And as soon as it happened that year, six more people did it. Yeah. And as soon as I know that it's possible, then it becomes available to me. It's prior to that knowing that it's possible, I, I limit myself. So I just want to live the life that I want to live the life for my kids and for everybody else to make that available for them. Like if I live it and I do it to the best of my ability, then it becomes available to them. So, so, so that being said, if, if you had one simple truth, if you could boil down a simple truth that you'd like to give to everybody, when you, no matter socioeconomic background, no matter who or what they are, if you could give them one, one simple nugget, man. What would that nugget be? Oh, no. I know that's, I do, that's a tough one. <laughs> we do a 30 hour, three days in a row personal <laughs> development course, and then we do a 12 week process after that that's filled. Um, man. You got, you, you got 10 minutes left of your life, uh, and you got one message to give somebody. What's that message? Man, it's a. Uh, giant run-on sentence, um, 16 parts. I feel like if the world could remove good and bad from their vocabulary and from their perception, that there's nothing good and there's nothing bad. It's an illusion, it's a judgment. What I think is good is not necessarily good. Is murder good? Give me more information, you know? With enough information, I can probably tell you that some murders are good. I mean, if I walk in and somebody's raping my daughter and I have a gun in my hand, he's probably gonna get murdered. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I will think that that's... Judgment without context. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we just go move through, for me, it's been super effective to remove good and bad and judgment growing up in a religious household and having that, like there's so much guilt and shame that I piled onto myself. And if I just look at everything as like, effective or ineffective like did it work for me did it not work for me drugs for a long time are they good or bad i don't know i'm sure that without drugs there were several point in time that i might have killed myself so for a little bit drugs were effective and then they became ineffective 
and not beating myself up over that, you know, and that, and I truly believe that we're all connected, man, yeah. you know, and, and that when I do for you, when I do for you, it's not just this cliche. When I do for you, I feel good about myself and it shifts inside me. I had to, I had what I call a spiritual awakening in the Sin City in Vegas. I don't drink. Oh, oh. I, don't, I, I don't drink or gamble. However, we went up to the top of um, the stratosphere and they have a ride. They have three different rides up there and, and, the very top ride is this thing that shoots you up in the sky and you fall and you're overlooking. We went up there at night and we rode the ride and it was incredible to get a chance to go, go. Yeah. And um, then afterwards we walked around and they just have a handrail and there's a couple of tiers like you couldn't just jump off the building. However, it's just a handrail and we're watching helicopters fly below us. You know, we're so high up in the air and I had never in my life seen that many lights I mean, it was to the horizon, it was lights. It was just everywhere you look, it was just, and we, we walked around the corner and kind of like hit out a little bit so we could spend some time up there. And me and Jesse were up there and we we're just overlooking it. And I had this, um, this understanding that I'm seeing all these separate lights and they're all coming from the same energy source and on the ground, I see all this as different stuff, different house, different billboard, different whatever. Each light is a different something and I'm identifying it different. And then from this elevation, I'm not able to tell what those are. However, they're all the same light. You know, they all look like little tiny, just pieces of light. And, and then I was like, if I got higher, it would just be one light, you know, and it's all coming from the same energy. And you know, the same. And then I had a picture in my head of this guy sitting behind a grid looking at it. And he could tell if one light went out or if a whole block went out or. And it was just this awareness, like maybe that's how a God works or, you know, like. I don't know. I just know that at that point in time, every one of them places are connected through the energy. And I believe that about us. So I think with enough understanding and enough communication. I could sit down with somebody that rapes children, which I absolutely do not agree with. And if I sit down and talk to him and spend enough time with the intent to understand him, I will walk away with an understanding of that person. Not necessarily that I would agree with his actions. Right. However, right. it's through understanding. I don't agree with shutting down the highway in a protest. I don't. Today, I don't agree with that. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. However, I've had an opportunity to sit down, talk to some people that were part of that, and communicate with the intent to understand mm -hmm. and gained an understanding of where they come from. Now, still today, I would choose different because of how I grew up and the way I was raised and my belief systems. And, and however, I understand what they're doing and I don't hate that person. I don't, yeah. you know, so. Do you, do you find that, well, I mean, who doesn't, but I mean, that that's missing in everything today is just a willingness to sit down and say, okay, let me hear your side of it. You know, what, why are you doing this? Why are you, I know why the media says you're doing it, but, but why are you doing this? I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I was so excited about you doing a podcast because I know you personally, and I really like I I follow I listen to podcasts. Today. I don't even watch TV. Mm-hmm. I don't watch the news. I just got told about some virus yesterday, and apparently it's been going on for a while, and I had no idea. The I don't, kung flu. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't watch any of it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that's not real. It's just not um, until it's. I listen to podcasts because there's actual communication and dialogue going back and forth, and and. Yes, I think that that's missing. I think that it's not missing. We're doing it. Yeah. However, I think the world could benefit from a whole lot more of it. Yeah. You know, I, it's benefited my life. I found it to be extremely effective in my life is communicating with people and, and getting to know them, like getting to understand them, not just getting to know, getting to understand them. And in that connection, I become different. I like myself more. Like I learn more stuff about myself talking and understanding you. Mm-hmm. I walk away understanding me a little bit more. And, and I see the connection there. So the more people I get to understand, mm-hmm. the more I get to find that stuff inside me and understand me a little bit more. I think that's the journey. Yeah, I, I, I found just here recently in my life that compassion really has doesn't have anything to do with right or wrong. It has to do with just an understanding, you know, uh, an example of it. I love, I love serial killer documentaries and stuff like that. Watch them. And it's, I've always been amazed by uh, the psychology of it. What, what, why did that guy grow up in that, that atmosphere and do that when millions of people grow up in that atmosphere and don't, Right. you know, and, uh, in every case, I don't agree with what they did, right. but I come away with a lot of cases going, wow. Yeah, I can see where the switch got clicked on that guy. Right. You know, and I can see where he did that in in a weird, screwed up way. There's some compassion there. You know, that they're human and whatever happened, you know, or whatever didn't happen. I watched the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary a while back and, I mean, several years ago. Mm -hmm. And because I'm in recovery and I can identify sitting on the bed going, I don't want to do this. That's what I experienced watching that is this dude attempted to fight it. He slept with mannequins, you know, he went and dissected dead animals, then he started killing animals, then he went to dressing up mannequins and sleeping with them, fighting this urge Mm -hmm. that is overwhelming. I understand that urge is overwhelming to do drugs. I get it, or to drink. I get that obsession. I'm only going to drink on Fridays, or I got to get this under control. I'm only going to drink wine at dinner or whatever, trying to control that right. that urge that, that drive then I listen to him attempt to explain it and he's explaining it the same way that I'm explaining to my ex-wife like there's just he doesn't even ha- he doesn't have the context for himself to yeah. even understand it to explain it and he's struggling and I'm watching this going thank God I have the obsession to drink and do drugs and not <laughs> kill and rape People, yeah. people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like it's the same. I'm, I'm experiencing the same struggle or the same. That's what I, when I watch that, I'm like, I identify with that, and think, so, so it's not an approval. It's just an understanding, yeah. compassion of like, wow, yeah, I and get I don't, it. He's human, and I don't think like if you asked him if he could change it all, if he would, you know, I think that if he could change it all and not be that, he probably would. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, or well, that. now he's dead. So, <laughs> right. Um, so so, what's Dave up to today? Who is Dave today? I mean, I, you get your finger in everything in Lincoln County. It looks like, but I mean, what? Who? What? What's? What? What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so, uh, 
And then I cut my tattooing back to doing one tattoo a day, um, five days a week. And uh, still enjoy it? I love it. Like, I don't know that I can. Tattooing has never been my passion. I have found tremendous love in tattooing. Art and connection is my passion. So, art, like, if you gave me a hundred billion dollars, I did an exercise with a gentleman years ago and. He asked me if he gave me $100 billion, what would my life look like? After I went full Conor McGregor and spent all the money and did all kinds of stuff, I had pet tigers, and what would my life look like on a daily basis? And, uh, you know, after chasing it down for quite some time, my life would look like I would do art, I would travel, I would build and cultivate relationships with people that inspire me, and I would do personal development work to get to understand myself even more. That's what my life looked like. So, uh, so how does that translate to what who you are today? What what's so that's that's what I attempt to do today. Well, yeah. You know, uh, I've found that a hundred billion dollars isn't necessary. I can start living that life. So, sitting in a tattoo chair with somebody, you really get to know them. And I think it's uh, we build relationships on an extremely fast. It's possible. Not all tattoo artists do it. However, I use that time going. This person's sitting in my chair for a reason, and uh, I attempt to find that reason. I navigate. The conversation and build the connection and i think it starts off with they trust me and i respect the fact that they're trusting me i respect what they've asked me to do and so the relationship starts with trust and respect and i think it just grows fast so i do that and then um i have a commercial i'm partners um with a guy named chris beeler and we started a commercial framing company he's been doing it for 20 some odd years and uh we started a business doing that. We work a lot out of state, some local. Um, you know, we'll do custom homes and uh, mostly though large commercial framing stuff. So we're, we got a couple hotels going in Phoenix, Arizona area right now. And then I got the personal development. Like that's my that's my that's my passion. You know, because in doing that and helping you, I get to see me. It's almost like this. Uh, oxymoron like i help you and i walk away feeling incredible and a better understanding of myself so great paradox yeah it's it, it is it's so incredible so that's my that's um that's the main things going in my life i uh you know i've got my kids and i'm a dad and attempting to balance all of that everybody asks like they're like you got your hands in so much stuff we own a vapor shop <clears throat> or i don't run the vapor shop anymore you know um other people take care of that and my business partner takes care of that the construction company chris is out of state doing handling that i handle some office stuff you know personal development is a passion so it doesn't feel like work at all tattoo is a you know art and connecting with people doesn't feel like a job so so does that does that carry that 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 dynamic of uh, somebody getting tattooed that that wanting to connect with them? You carry that over into all your business relationships. I do. Yeah, I do. I think that's just the that's just where I'm at now in my head. It's not. I think I do that everywhere. Like, yeah, I see it in personal relationships. That you yeah, I do it. I I really have, because I believe that we're all connected, and I mean we can go way down the rabbit hole and like. 
in quantum physics, there's a belief system that like none of you guys even exist. It's just the observer, you know, and I thought that was crazy. And I mean, I really dove into that for a little bit. And it was just a little too deep for me. I'm like, I'm not there yet. Of course, the miracles touches that. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. So really, though, if I look at it like that, even if I don't believe it, if I look at it, then everybody is showing me something. And uh, if I believe that we're all connected, you're a piece of me. And what are we what are we doing here? It's not. Like, I'm supposed to grow from you, or maybe you're supposed to grow from me, and either way, I win. Yeah. So, let's create that. And so, whether it's at a gas station, and I'm not always like that. I really get up and start my day and attempt to be like that all day. And that's a, that's that's a decision that I make and a plan or a strategy to go through my life and figure out what these people are in my life for and how I can be of service or how I can they can be of service to me, you know? So what, what <laughs> we've talked about good day. What, what, what pisses Dave off more than anything? What's Dave's pet peeve? Everybody's got one. Mine is the last minute person, the guy who, you know, I got a buddy. If, if you, if you tell him 11 o'clock, he's going to be there at 1130. Right. Regardless. So right. I, now I just tell him 1030. So he shows up at 11. You know what I mean? So what, what's that for you? Oh my gosh, there's several of them. Uh, and now I'm really like diving into what am I saying about myself when I, however, the word, the word literally drives me batshit crazy. Like literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah, and people like overused it. It like started and it became a thing and then I literally shit my pants. No, no, you didn't literally shit your pants. Uh and I don't know where that came from. All of a sudden, it was just one of them things that like got planted, and then I couldn't. I've still struggled today when I hear it to not not focus on because instantly when you start saying it, I want to discredit everything you're saying. I focus on that and mine's as well as well. <laughs> got it. Uh, and now, now to be honest, that's the new one. To be honest, oh. or. If I'm going to be honest with you, that's a new thing that's going around. I work with the public, so I hear it all the time. Well, if you want me to be honest with you, or to be honest, and they preface the statement. Right, to be honest. Well, that that would be more effective, I find, in my life, you know, if we all just. So I'm not a grammar police. I'm just not. You know, I write in all caps on Facebook and put exclamation (laughs) points where they're not necessary. However, those are two things, two judgments that I have that I that I struggle with. Uh Uh, The time program. uh, I have a friend of mine that is really that has always been. I'm one of the people that I'm a half an hour early to everything. And uh, I know where you live. Yeah, right, right, exactly. And I have a friend, a business partner of mine, who's been struggling that used to be like that. And now, somehow, it has shown up. This time program has shown up to where she's running late for everything. And so I've got to really practice. And that used to drive me crazy. And because of her and my love for her, and she's genuinely going... I sat out this morning to be there, and and I can see that that's not what she wants, and yet that's what's showing up. So yeah. it's given me a different understanding of it today. It's, yeah. yeah, those are those are two. I don't know what else. Um, I don't know whether I got OCD or I don't. There's something about um, 
I'm not like even in my artwork I'm not one of the guys that have to have everything even and everything uh, symmetry sitting on sitting on where my stuff is like in my truck you could get in my truck and go this is not clean and not organized and yet I know where everything is and it's not crazy no I'm not that great however I know where everything is in my truck and then in my chair at home on my end table I can set some stuff up there like if I set my soda and my e-cig up there I will be sitting there and then I have to move the soda and and the e-cig and, and and then I'll go yeah that's good and then a minute later I'm like that's not good and, and I'll move it to uh, I don't and my wife's caught my wife's the one that identified it and told me about it I did I was unaware that I even did it and, uh, so there's something there I don't know what it is and it will drive me crazy if I'm not able to just just move it and adjust it like a like a block system I, uh -huh. I don't know yeah yeah just this visual thing. It's kind of I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like if I can pattern it here in its spot, uh -huh. then then I could just grab it. I don't, I I've attempted to figure out what it is. Yeah. Then I can just grab it. Like if everything has its right spot, then I'll know where it is. And um, I, it has something to do with being an artist. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've got an art school background, and it's I've got I'm a pile maker. I have organized little piles. I know where everything's at in that pile. But if that picture is just the slightest bit crooked, it's going to drive me nuts and it's going to get fixed. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? You, you hung that picture too close to this and it's just this visual And how thing. can you get, how can you explain having piles of stuff and then that drives, I don't, I, I don't have an explanation. I don't know. <laughs> it is something that exists and that drives me crazy. So yeah. that's what you asked for. That's what you asked for. So um, how can people find Big Dave and how do you want people to find Big Dave? Um, so I'm on Instagram, Big Dave Kanoi. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have two Facebooks. Um, the, I'm transitioning over to my main one being Big Dave Kanoi because I had the other one and I got 5,000 friends and then it won't let me accept anymore. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I really, it was, it was really humbling one time and it's happened multiple times. I had somebody that wanted a friend, one of my friends that wanted a friend request me. Yeah. So I started going through my friends list and gonna, I was going to sit on the couch that night and just do a delete. And I was going to just go through and if I don't know you and we're not, you're not client or I was going to delete you. And I started going through and I would see a name that I didn't recognize. So I'd click on it, open it up and it would be somebody that I knew or I tattooed on. So then I would go down to another one and I did that. And that night I erased like 40 people. I didn't go all the way through 5,000. Yeah. However, I spent all night and I only raced 40 people. And it's like, I have 5,000 people on my Facebook and I would bet you that 4,500 of them I know somehow. Like, and it was one of them extreme humbling, I know 4,500 people. Now, yeah. was it still present that if they only really knew me, um, no, 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 no. I've beat that. I've beat that down through personal development. I haven't beat that down. I've I've created like uh, I never was a big affirmations guy. Yeah. You know, like that's the process though is coming to believe something different about myself and then reinforcing that belief will help change the rest of them. You know, and yeah. so I had a belief that I was bad and. And that's what my subconscious stores and gathers 
evidence to make that right. Right, right. So now I've adapted other people's beliefs about myself, looked at it from an objective point of view, not subjective point of view, and then started gathering evidence and putting it where it goes. And I can clearly see today that, you know, I'm, I do good stuff. I'm, I'm a good dude today. You know, I am compassionate today, you know, that's reflected back to you. Yes. Yeah. My, my network of people is, my network is just priceless. Like, I, I mean, the level of conversation, this is a typical conversation, you know, in my world, which is people don't have that, you know, this is, this is rare. Yeah. We get, we went deep yesterday. I was sitting with a couple of friends of mine, we meet together in a garage and smoke cigars and it's like kind of, it's all men mm-hmm. and there was five of us and one of them, one of them puts on a, uh, a men's program, an all men's program for uh, growth and leadership. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones are in leadership positions in their work and uh, we just get together and the level of conversations in my network of people is... I don't ever want that to change, you know. Very satisfying for you. Oh, yeah. I walk away. Like, I called my wife, and she's like, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm just leaving Brent's. And she's like, how was it? And I'm like, unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine and I, we've had a conversation in the past that uh, what the culture now calls woke yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I believe you and I kind of have a different understanding of awakening right. and stuff than what's generally out there. Um, but I, I find this to be common in people who are to some degree have an awakening to whatever your awakening is. Uh, there's some loneliness involved in it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, when you're in the general public or when you're sometimes with family or something like that, that those conversations like this, right. this to me feeds my soul. You know right. what I mean? It drives me. You know, I love this. Um, I, I, I constantly want to be inspired and not every conversation is inspiring. Right. You know, and, uh, is that present for you? And, and I was told we have to communicate with people how they communicate. Right. You know, do you find that to be true? Is that present in your, in your world? Um, especially dealing with the personal growth for connection. If I want to like, like, my belief is I have to get down, hold your hand, and walk you. You know, if I want you to see it this way, I cannot stand over here and yell at you to see it. Then you're going to yell back and go, no, it sucks over here. And I'm going to go, it's great over here. And you're going to yell. So I have to go to where you're at, meet you at where you're at, and then walk walk you, you know, walk with you to, or stay there with you, you know. So I... Uh, For a long time, it's been lonely, and it's not anymore. I've just got a huge network of people that are all like-minded. That yeah. that so I don't experience that very often. It's funny you brought it up because me and my wife have been talking about it the last two days. Yeah. How sometimes, and my business partner Jen, as a leader, you have to stand alone in your truth, and people do not support you at all and it's very difficult because i think as as human beings we just want acceptance and connection you know i think that's what we want like when i summed it all sum it all up i think genuinely i want to be accepted as dave and i want to feel connected to other people i want to feel like i belong and and sometimes as a leader 
it's very lonely because once I'm there and I establish it, I'll, st I'll stand alone or I have many times in my life stood alone and then more people come to that and then there's another stage of growth and sometimes I stand alone and, and um, I remember when I started doing the personal development stuff, I've been a part of a company for years and I've always read books, I've always wanted to know myself and when I started working with this company several of my close friends got together and or they were planning to get together and do like a intervention they thought I was in a cult mm -hmm. and I had offered to pay for this mentor of mine to do it and I'm like just do it with me then you'll know and they wouldn't do it and they were together feeling connected in this belief system that it was a cult and I was standing off by myself going I know what I experienced I know what I've learned I know I know I'm handling this exact situation better and different because of the work, and uh, and it was it's super uncomfortable, you know, to to stand there and know that what I was doing was 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 way more effective for me in my life, and and ultimately was going to affect the world differently. And uh, now, you know, years later, they. You know they're all supportive they may not participate in that right and that's their stuff however yeah i've experienced that and my wife's experiencing it a little bit and um my business partners experienced it so yeah I, I definitely believe that it's a thing that i have to be willing to stand there and let you hate me let you speak against me and i, I have to, lost my freaking mind yeah. sometimes yeah yeah and no He's gone religious or something, you know, yeah. whatever it may be, yeah. Yeah, and anything, in business decisions, like, I, me and my wife have got into it, and it's like, we've got, like, I knew that I was supposed to do tattoos and dirt bikes. That's gonna, that's a TV show that we filmed, and it will be airing on YouTube this summer, for sure. Yeah. I knew it. Like, it hit me while I was tattooing. I have no idea about the TV industry or anything. I just know that what's represented on TV is not my reality. And they call it reality TV, tattoos and motorcycles, and it's just not. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do something to show people, because I get people coming in the tattoo shop all the day, wanting all the time wanting a back piece in a day. Or yeah. uh, you just step back in the back, draw something up for me real quick. And I'm like, <laughs> just because they do that on TV does not right. mean that that's what they're doing. Yeah. I filmed this TV show, and I came home and I told my wife, I'm like, I gotta, we gotta, I gotta film this show. And I knew it, like, it wasn't a, it wasn't even something that I wanted to do, you know, it was something that I, like I knew that I had to do. And she's like, I did not sign up for this. You know, I want to be able to go up to Walmart and not have people like, I don't want to be in that. I don't want to be with somebody that is that like, that's not. And I had to stand in my truth going, this is what I got to do. You know, I love you. And, and that was a, that was a, a battle for a while you know and and it's uncomfortable and and we did it and all the pieces lined up and it's exactly how it was supposed to work out and I met and built some incredible relationships and was able to because of that was able to help fulfill the bucket list of a 17 year old girl who was dying of cancer and it's like I get to see that that wasn't even the mission. It was the relationships that I built by doing that. It was the things that 
because of those relationships, the things that I was able to accomplish because of that, you know. I'm glad to see that that's finally going to come out. I know, I know that's been a passion of yours, and I, I remember when you guys started on that and started putting it together, and I, I was lucky enough to see some of the, the early pieces of it, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, I can't wait for everybody to see that. And all of that, like, all of that came from relationships. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and I started reaching out to people and I started sharing my vision with people and what I wanted. And then slowly this person was connected to this person, was connected to this person and said, this person's a director in L.A. Uh And, you know, and and that's the way it all went. And it's like, I have friends that are like, I don't like people, you know, I want to stay by myself. And it's like, man, people are like mastermind groups. We like have you ever been a part of a mastermind group? Uh-huh. This is just a group of like-minded people uh-huh. that get together, like we did with business owners, and the mission, and you can set them up different ways, however our mission was uh, financial success mm-hmm. in our workplace. So we would get together once a week, and we would have an hour-long meeting, and we would present challenges, and then and then get feedback from... Troubleshoot them in a way. Yeah, troubleshoot them. Okay. And do dry runs through right. problems. My brain is only able to think of so much stuff. And when I get five other people helping me with a problem, that problem becomes way smaller. And yeah, normally I get a solution a whole lot faster. Mm. That's the world. You know what I'm saying? That's the world. The more relationships I have, if I share my problems, if I share my challenges with people, I get solutions way faster the more people I have. You know, and... Yeah. So uh, I know you've got some big things ramping up for your personal development yeah. stuff. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Maybe mm-hmm. plug that? Sure. So more people can get involved in that. You can find us on Facebook. Um, the company's called Elevate, and then it says expand, Expose, Expand, Elevate. So if you typed in Expose, Expand, Elevate, it'll just pop up. Okay. It'll take you right to our page. I'll get the info from it, too, before this. And then... Um, yeah, we do a 30-hour workshop. That's where it starts. Um, it's called Expose. It's a three-day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. It seems like it's that's a lot of time. However, it goes so fast. And, uh, and essentially, that's what we're doing is exposing the information, exposing everything to you. The philosophy, strategies, techniques, understanding how... Uh, how our conscious, subconscious, and superconscious work in our life. Why do I not consistently get the things I go after? How come it's real easy for me to start another business and be successful, and yet I struggle with my weight? Yeah, yeah. I can set a business goal, go after it, and 100% know that I'm going to attain it. And in my life, I've set weight loss goals and don't have that same conviction. Right. And where that comes from and and how we can get in there and tweak and make a difference. And then after you've done that, if you want, then then we have a process called expand. And it's a 12 week process where uh, we get together for a 30 hour weekend. And then you have 30 days with a coach and you do coach calls five days a week. And we start taking that information and, app and, and applying it into your life because knowledge and application are two completely different things, you know. I have, we call them shelf help books. <laughs> you know, you get a book and you read it and you put it up on your shelf and you're like gung ho and then it fades real fast. And I've got a bookshelf full of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
at gaining the knowledge and then learning how to apply it in your personal life is two separate things. So expand is a, a much greater process. We do provide more in-depth information and then we take it into your life and make the changes, help you make the changes in your life that you want to make to make your life more effective. So is there mentorship within that to where people would be like when they're going through their week, they got problems or questions they can, are they assigned like a mentor or how do, how do yeah, they, they have a, They have a coach. They a have coach. A, yeah, they have a life coach, a personal coach that they can talk to. They also, we work real hard on building the team together. So say that there's 30 people on your team, we create the team and then effectively then you have, and we create a mastermind group and show you uh, the tools and techniques to present any challenges within that team, the mastermind group, or your coach. And uh, it's an incredible process, man. It's, uh, we got that 12-week process is starting this weekend. We've got uh, one starting this weekend. We just finished a three-week, or the three-day course last weekend. I walk away from it like, I had, Does it yeah. get you high? Man, it is, it is, I had somebody Sunday night, this woman that could barely make eye contact, and Sunday night she stood there and she says, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself, and I feel really good about who I am and what I'm doing. And I'm like, it was so much work putting this together. It was so many t hours of time. And I mean, I get those every weekend, a bunch. That was just, I had another buddy that fought tooth and nail and he sent me this message the other day on, through text message and it's like, brought tears to my eyes. It's like, if, if nothing else ever came from any of this, those incidences, just that, well, any one of those, yeah. any one of those people going, and the messages that I get from them about their experiences made it made it all worth it, man. Made yeah. made the hours. Me and Jen were talking our favorite memory. We were we would get together um, sometimes a couple times a week. We talked every day, creating the curriculum and stuff based on based on a platform that we'd went to that the company that I worked for. She worked for that company also, so we took that platform and then we changed, modified it, modified it, changed it. She's a She's a um, owns a treatment center. Uh, she has a recovery background, and then we just pieced together all this stuff. And there was one time we were sitting outside, and uh, and I was smoking a cigar. We we're sitting in two chairs outside the tattoo shop in St. Peter's, and it started to rain. So we wanted to keep it casual, and so we jumped in my truck. And um, in the parking lot over there, tattoo shop in St. Peter's, there's a car wash. So we went and pulled into the car wash in my truck and we sat down at the tailgate and we got all our paperwork out. So we're under the car wash and we're sitting on the tailgate, swinging our feet off the tailgate, writing the curriculum to this, uh, That's cool. to this thing. And, yeah. and to know that like hours and the bullshit that I had to fight through, like, cause there's the belief system inside that, who are you? Yeah. You know, you're covered in tattoos and you're ex-con and you're going to, ask people for money to do your workshop and nobody, you know, like I had to bite, f fight through all that stuff to make it happen. Yeah. 
and uh, just within yourself, just within myself, right? Yeah. And and I did, and I truly believe that because I did, it became available for other people to fight through their bullshit. And um, you know, it's one of my that's one of my greatest memories of me and Jen, and we've been friends for fifteen years. Is just yeah, fighting through our own shit to make it happen, and starts for every roadblock that could come up would come up you know starts raining and we pull the truck in the car wash and pull down the tailgate and, and made a day of it so yeah yeah that's cool well I, I want you to know man like i said in the beginning there's there's a few people i mean if i look back over my life there's a lot of people you know um but in my world today there's a few people that you and i don't talk that often but um, when we do, I always know that I want to get what I need, you know? Um, Likewise. It, well, thank you. I um, appreciate that. I, I always know I want to get the truth. And I always know that where it's coming from is the same place that I want it to come from, right. you know? Um, and that whether that's a spiritual place or that's just a common sense place that maybe I don't see, you know? I was taught a long time ago, seek your counsel wisely. You know, and uh, I spend a lot of time. I'm a good. I'm a listener, and it's kind of selfish because I'm always listening to what can I get to add to my world right. to make my world better. You know, and you are one of those people. I've you've just contact with you has given me so many experiences uh, that I may or may not have shared with you. You know that it's changed me, and it, it makes me look at my world different. And and um, there's so many people and so many and the more I look the more I see that and you're one of those people for for me so and this whole thing just everything you've talked about today this whole podcast thing I didn't want to do this right you know what I mean I did not want to do this but it's pounded in my head it's clawing at my head I've got to do this I've got to do this I've got to show people that there's ordinary people out there that come from whatever background it doesn't matter who are out there inspiring people changing people one person at a time and i couldn't think of a better person to have for my first episode because you are that for me you know i remember uh i won't i won't share that but you you were doing something within the community and a long time ago when i got sober and i climbed out of prison on my on my go home plan it was well you I'm an open book. So oh, okay. You were going into nursing homes, and you were you were spending time with people uh, who didn't have any people. And I, you had told me the story of of how that came about that you were drawn to that, and you just went up and said, "Is there somebody who has nobody?" And correct me if I'm telling the story wrong. <clears throat> Is there somebody here at this nursing home that has nobody? And that's who you went and spent time with. Right. And I was convicted, dude. I, I am not a I'm not a Christian guy. I'm not a I'm just a spiritual dude. But in that in my go home plan from prison, one of the things was I wanted to go spend time with people in the nursing home because who had nobody. And when I heard that you tell that story, it was a year or so before, and I I walked around convicted of that. Every time I would see you, I was like, Joe, you need to freaking tell him you want to go in there. Yeah. And I went in there. You did, right? I, I did, and I, I met our friend Buck, or Buck, yeah, Buck, Buck, Buck and uh, I spent some time with Buck, and and it, it freaking changed me. 
Do you know, I don't mind to cut you off. Fuck. I sponsor a guy. And Buck, the whole time we're visiting him, I had no idea Buck was his brother. No. I didn't know until Buck passed away. That was my sponsee's brother. See? It's a... It's right. A, you know? To say we're not all connected. Like, yeah. like crazy. It was crazy. He called him by a different name because uh -huh. Buck was his nickname. Right. So we knew him as Buck. That's how we got introduced to him. Yeah. And then... My sponsee's brother passed away. I asked him if he wanted me to go to the funeral. He's like, I'm good, you know, and I was going to go and support him. And then afterwards, we talked. And I'm like, how was it? And in that conversation, I made the connection that Buck is. <laughs> that is crazy. That is, like, that is crazy. And that's, and, and if, if it had not been for you being open about that, even, you know, I think it was in private, you right. told me about that. But uh, that made that available to me. You know, and it's, now it's made it available to people in my world, you right. know, and uh, so I thank you for that. And uh, that's what I see you doing, you know, and I, I just want to tell you, thank you for, for coming and being episode number one. I am you know? honored, absolutely honored. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to know I love you so much and uh, thanks again too, for doing man. it, man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Really. I, uh, I'm absolutely honored. I was looking forward to. Even though I showed up yesterday. And, and. and and <laughs> right, yeah. and you doing this, I've been saying it for, I've been saying it and feeling it that that um, I wanted to do a podcast. You know, I don't know what that looks like in the future. It was uh, the same, same kind of thing. Like just let's start building a connection and a and a network. I'm and and then you doing this has opened the door, made it available for me and anybody else who wants to do it. You know, it's. Unbelievable, man. This life is such a, an incredible blessing, man. Yeah. Really. So thank you. Thanks, brother. Thanks yep. for coming. Love you, man. Love you too, brother. All right. All right.